Hi, welcome to Dream Schemers. On today's episode, we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Grizzly Cities, Losing Your Rifle, and Charles Dickens. Also, we interview guest Dylan Rudd. Trigger warning. PTSD. Mentions of suicide. This is also your host, Josh. Hi. Okay, hi. Um, so this is the first time we're recording after doing our first like batch recordings. Like, how have you been the past couple weeks since we last talked? I've been good. It's been uh, like a really good time. Um, I like hearing feedback about the podcast. I like hearing people's thoughts and opinions as long as they're good ones. Um, and it's been nice to have people come up to me and yeah. randomly start talking to me about their dreams. I'm it's sure... been really nice to hear about everybody's dreams that like listen to the podcast and is excited. I felt kind of like a celebrity. Yeah, and I'm still not an official dream interpreter at all, but I do have <laughs> more informed opinions about it now, I guess. Um, and I will apologize to anyone listening. My uh, usual tenor timber is a little bit off right now. I'm a little stuffed up from the notorious mm-hmm. Louisville allergies. Yeah, they're bad. Thing. Yeah, they're bad. I am damn near incapacitated but i made it all the way here to the studio to make this recording for the dream schemers um admire your commitment hey thank you i'm like a postman you know rain rain wind or shine i'll be there be there in your dreams yep hanging out with you so what kind of dreams have you had lately (sighs) i have had as always good erratic bad uh the dream i'll be sharing today is one that was mostly good. It was kind of adventurous. I think I would describe my my favorite dreams being ones that are full of adventure. Um, so this one started out at this uh, kind of like, this is bar in Pioneertown, California, outside of Palm Springs. It's in the desert in the middle of nowhere, and it's they uh, used to shoot westerns there. Um, so it's this oh, so like... it looks like a saloon town? It looks like a saloon town. Oh, cool. uh, and it's super cool. It's one of my favorite bars slash venues I've ever been to. I don't drink anymore, but I would definitely still go check it out so if I were like in there's like real town. life saloons there. Yeah, yeah. You can actually rent uh, like a part of the town to camp out in or host wow. a wedding in. It's super cool. So this dream, um, we're hanging out there. It's me, my brother, and Paula Sharp, who we've actually had on the interview. And yeah, they're there. one. Yeah, and uh, we're having a nice time. And simultaneously, you know how in a dream sometimes you can be aware of things happening. You're aware of two timelines going on simultaneously. Um, In this dream, I was in this saloon, and simultaneously, my parents and a group of loved ones were in this room that seemed to stretch on forever. It was all darkness, except for in the center where I could see them all gathered around a TV, and the only light in the room was from the TV. Whoa. Yeah, and they're all just watching this, like, it's that kind of blue light that you see in those TV rooms, and it was that. And they're all fine, very sedated, and that was, I was just aware that they were there. Um, And they didn't have much to do with the dream, but every now and then I would just mentally check in on them, make sure they're doing okay, because dramatic things were about to start happening. So we go outside, and there is a uh, sandy berm. It's approximately... 10 or so feet tall and our actually is more dirt than sand kind of like i don't know i grew up in a developing suburban neighborhood so there was always construction sites around mm-hmm. and there's always weird berms to go play on so i'm sure this is where i was gathering that from and my brother paula and me were all uh kind of snowboarding down them um was there snow on the ground or just no like we were just grass? you know we were just snowboarding on the dirty sandy dunes um but if you disturbed the sand enough, these big, like, trilobite, dinosaur-like bugs would come out of the sand. So you knew not to disturb the sand. They were very it creepy. sounds like, I don't know, a suburban kid dune happening it, right now. Yeah, suburban kid dune. Um, and 
they looked a lot like they're these crabs. I call them sand crabs. I don't know what they're called, but if you ever go to the beach, usually uh, specifically on the East Coast. Oh, are they horseshoe crabs? The one with like the big stinger. Not on the back? horseshoe crabs. They're oh. much smaller. So okay. if you go down to where the sand, the the waves are crashing, and you dig your hands under the dirt, the sand. There are these little pill bug looking crabs that hang out right, there. Remind me never to dig my hands under the Yeah, they're sand. pretty freaky. Or I they're fun if you're like a weird kid that likes digging up bugs at the beach. <laughs> um, so those were there, but they were big. They were like the size of my fist. Uh, that was the end of the berm chapter. But at that point, we were back inside. We we're having a good time in the saloon. And for lack of a better word, this uh, bandito shows up. Uh, a... <laughs> Western themed uh, Mexican bandit wearing a poncho, had the bandoliers on, big sombrero, big mustache. Was there um, the Western noise, the like, when he showed up on the edge of town? No, we just jumped right into the action. But he had this black pistol with him and was shooting up the place. And in my head, in the dream, we knew that this gun was compelling him to kill. It wasn't his choice. He didn't want to be... It was a cursed artifact. It was a cursed artifact. Yeah, he picked up this gun, and it led him to this life of murder and bandito tree. And um, I, we ran, we got scared, and at one point I fought back. I don't remember if I shot him or what, but I, I, I took him down, and I now owned the pistol. And I remember the dream ending, A, while having a simultaneous knowledge that my family was nearby fine in this void room watching TV. A little safe capsule. And that I now owned this potentially demonic pistol that could end up compelling me to kill. <gasps> and I woke up, and that was the end of the dream. Oh, well, good. You were saved from a life yeah, of bandito in, tree. In, until the sequel. There might be a dream version of me running around there being compelled to murder people in a poncho, but we'll never know. We'll never know until the next installment yeah maybe this will be the first prequel sequel dream <laughs> the origin story yeah what about you what you've been dreaming emma uh, woof so i had a heck of a week yeah um not sure what i'm gonna leave in or edit out depending on how i feel like how much to share or not but i and then the night that that happened i was having terrible terrible dreams like a series of dreams one after the other i woke up crying in between each one and went back to sleep just to continue a new horrifying like fully intense dream experience i'm so sorry i mean a for like the real life stuff but b it kind of sucks that you couldn't have the respite of like a nice dream in between all that but that kind of that's a lot of the things we've learned is that you've that any of that stuff that you try to repress or not consciously deal with you're going to have to deal with when you go to sleep or try to sleep. Right. So yeah, I felt terrible but also like um surprised that my dreams were that awful because usually they're pretty um interesting but not necessarily scary dreams. And these were the first nightmares I had in a while. And to have had them all in a row when I'm already, like, emotionally exhausted. Um, You're on the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that comes from being, like, in a place of feeling like I'm at risk or in danger and then going to sleep and my brain's just like all right, here are all the scenarios you're going to have to prepare for. You're going to have to like fight for your life and escape a maze and do a math test at the same time. All those evolved fight or flight um, response things. Yeah, just to, like keep me going like with adrenaline, like wake up and deal with this tr trauma <laughs> right now. Figure it out before you can't sleep yet. Okay, so I was going to describe a few of those yeah. dreams if you're cool. I am cool, and hopefully the audience is cool with it too. If not, fast forward until we're done talking about spooky stuff. Yeah. So the first dream I had, I it had editing. Like there were cuts in the scenes and I was watching it like it was a uh, show on the History Channel. Like I feel like it had a little scroll bar underneath. Little like, commercial breaks every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Except it was really gross and creepy and it was about this... Um, these people being like hooked together by manacles and like collars and forced to walk across the desert like from town to town and as one person in the line died the rest would have to carry him oh i mean that's a, a, a thing that's happened throughout history unfortunately well maybe yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and that must have been from somewhere in my mind yeah um 
Were you in this line or were you just watching? No, I was it? just watching this happening. This um, sad, I wasn't thing. a person. It was just like my eyes were a TV screen. Gotcha. Um, so they got into a town and it was just the last guy standing, having had dragged like a chain of people through the desert on his own. Um, and so he is like ritually sacrificed in the middle of town. Of course, after all that work. Yeah, he was the last one, so this is his reward. Um, <laughs> That's brutal. That is a brutal it's dream. It's brutal. It's yeah. messed up that I thought of that, right? Yeah. You well, wake up and feel like guilty about the thing that yeah, you subconsciously created. It gets worse. Um, all of the slaves that they've ever done this to are, have been mummified and are decorating every rafter in town, like every archway over a walkway. There's just like bodies, old bodies, new bodies, all wrapped in cloth. And there's like a windmill in the middle of town and there's little bodies on each arm. And oh I'm like, what God. the fuck is this? That's a true stress dream. That's really, really stressful. Yeah. I mean, January of this year, I had a lot of mental health stuff go on. And I think that was the time that I had the worst nightmares I've ever had in my life. I guess I should have expected it, but I really, it caught me off guard. Yeah. I mean, just give you give yourself a break. You know, you've had a rough, let's have nice dreams, you know, when you've had a bad day. No, that's that's not how it works for me, I guess. No. Nope. I mean, probably not anybody. Yeah. Um, the next one was a little lighter, even though I was in the dream as myself. So I was more like in danger and a little bit more anxious, but it was kind of funny. So good. We need that. I mean, I woke up from it feeling terrified and distraught, but <laughs> it's funny now that I think back on it. So I don't really remember where we were or how we got here, but we kind of pulled over into this neighborhood. Um, I think it was me and my mom. We were walking through this old subdivision that was all kind of hooked together in weird ways. Like there were porches and things connecting houses to houses and all the houses like didn't have glass in the windows. They were made out of concrete and it was kind of like leaves and dust blowing through it. Music video stuff. Yeah, like Isn't that one music for video does? yeah, I guess you're right. But the specifically the radioactive by Imagine Dragons music video. Oh, you're gonna make me watch that later. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen it. Um, waking up to ash and dust. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah, already, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so all the houses are painted these like horrible garish colors, and we're walking through, just kind of being like, "Huh, this is ugly. This is bad architecture. Why'd they build this? Where is everybody? It's empty." And as we keep walking, we keep getting more lost and lost, having to go through more doorways um, into different painted rooms um, until we get to kind of a reception area in the end where everyone's sitting around kind of like in conversation areas on couches. That was nice. And when I say everybody, I mean all of these weird looking people with like blue and green and purple skin. They have like blue hair and they look like Pixar characters or something. Okay. And so we're just sitting with them being like, oh, what's going on here? What are you guys up to today? And they're like, oh, we're so glad we have more guests. Um, it's the the wedding, uh, you know, the goat and the bird are getting married. And I was like, a, a literal goat and bird. And they're like, yes, they're very much in love. And I was like, okay, well, this is strange but quirky, I guess. Not what nice. God intended for a goat and bird to get married. I don't know what these people are into. It's <laughs> ugly houses and goat burn marriages. Yeah, bad city planning and interspecies marriage. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, oh, our final guests are arriving now. And they wheel in these two people in wheelchairs that are totally like bandage and in, uh, what am I thinking, neck braces. They have like uh, a full exoskeleton of medical equipment on them. They and look they rough. They, you can't really even see their faces. They're covered with, like, Hannibal Lecter masks. So they roll these people in, and they're like, oh, yay, thank you for being here. And it's very creepy for me and my mom. are like, should we go? I don't want to be here. And they're like, oh, no, but you're next. Like, you're next? Yeah, it's like, you're the, you're the this is you in the future. Oh, God. You're going to be these people in the wheelchairs, and we're going to, you know, take all your skin and wear it because we're body snatchers, and <laughs> we wear skins of unsuspecting people that come to see us. Wow. This is, uh, I would say, a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you firmly crossed into nightmare territory. <sighs> and this is, you had this one after the other one. Yeah. Cheese Louise. It was too much. Um, I haven't had bad dreams since then, but I was like, I got, I immediately got out of bed and got on my phone and made an appointment with a therapist and was like, if this is PTSD, I want to get ahead of it right yeah. away. Yeah, good, good for you. Uh, and we, so we said it before and we'll say it again. Therapy, if you can afford it or have it available to you, is great. 
um, yeah. All and, right. Are we ready to uh, greet our next interview? Yeah, absolutely. Um, today we have Dylan Rudd, a uh, former Marine and coworker of mine, uh, past coworker, doesn't currently work with me. Uh, content warning, we are two Marines, so the language does get a little salty. So if you have sensitive ears, it might not be for you. Hi, Dylan. Hey. Welcome to uh, the Dream Schemers podcast. I feel welcomed. Good. Um, I'm Josh. And I'm Emma. Hi, Josh and Emma. And today we're going to talk about dreams. So nice. first off, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, hobbies, what you do, where you're from? Well, my name is Dylan Rudd. Um, I, I grew up, I was born in between a, a moonshine still in a meth lab in southeast Kentucky in the Appalachians. Um, I had a very typical childhood of the Appalachians in terms of not a good one. Oh. And uh, it was a real fun hoot and a holler um i ended up moving to uh shelbyville kentucky shelbyville kentucky around 14 uh went to high school there or went to eighth grade through high school there yeah don't do the math on that i I, I probably was younger than it's not a math podcast you're fine yeah i just don't want people to be like this illiterate bitch you got you got held back (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah, and then uh, joined the Marines at, right out of high school because I was bored and genuinely had nothing to do. And at that point, I was like, hey, violence is cool, you know? Yeah, that toxic masculinity you carry with you at yeah. the age of 18 through 19. Yeah, I remember, like, the the look of disappointment on my recruiter's face when he's like, whoa, what job do you want? I'm like, infantry. He's like, but you could do something else. You're smart. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Yeah, he's just, I mean, not, not to, like, stroke my own ego, but he... I did do well on the ASVAB. The ASVAB is, for those that don't know, the SAT for the military, essentially. Yeah, it'll just, like, ask you a bunch of, like, weird, arbitrary questions about, like, it'll show you, like, a picture of tools and be like, what's a screwdriver look like? Oh. And then it'll be like... <laughs> that one. By the way, here's some calculus. Try that. It's weird. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is where we ended up meeting. Yeah. Not yeah. in the ASVAB, but in the Marine, the ASVAB. Marine, Marine yeah. Corps. The old, uh, you know, 2-7. Two seven. Second, Second Battalion. Second Seventh Battalion. Marines. First Marine Corps Division. Yeah. Yeah. First Marine Dev. It's been a while since I've repeated that in yeah. yeah. Golf company specifically. Company G. But we so Dylan was a basic rifleman at O mm-hmm. three eleven and I yeah. was a O three fifty one, which is a infantry guy that has rockets. So I was attached to his unit and we would train together and eventually deploy together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember like one of my first interact I think I don't remember. I think one of our first interactions was just like us just like cutting up after like a morning company formation. That and I definitely remember like a late night. I had been drinking all night. You'd been drinking yeah, all night. I think we that's... bumped into each other when the sun was coming up having a cigarette outside of the barracks. I yeah. think that was a... We had a lot of vibey conversation. Yeah, like, oh, you're bad at sleeping too yeah. and drink a lot. And then like I eventually, we eventually exchanged numbers and I remember asking you specifically like... Are you like you said something and I was like, are you one of those like weird fucks that just like have a different number every week? And you're just like, no, no, no I, promise, I promise. Yeah, I've never changed. I still have the same number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impressive. And I'll tell it to you now. No, I'm just kidding. We're not listeners. Get ready. Get your Here phones comes the out. Phone number. <laughs> if you call in during this, we will put you on this the pre-recorded air. Pre-recorded <laughs> message. Fucking handle on this podcast. Okay, right we're now. going off the rails. Yeah, we're losing it. Oh, this is how it goes, man. Yeah, we got all day to hang out. Yeah, after this. I'll be I'll be tangenting it up. I'll do segues that aren't even segues. It's just complete, straight up subject A changes. A non sequitur. All right. Yeah. Well, let's segue that bad boy into tell us about your dreams. I have several dreams. Okay, more than one. Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm 29 years old, so I've had quite a few. All right. I only remember a handful. Well, let's talk about more recent dreams. Ideally, if it could evolve some element of PTSD, that'd be great for the topic of this podcast. All right. Well, it's not very recent, but I do remember like shortly after getting back from Iraq, it was it was kind of funny, but kind of awkward at the same time because it was like uh, it was like one of those moments where I haven't like like broke my neck trying to see what a loud noise was for a while. And it was like, okay, all right. I think I'm adjusted now. I think I'm rehabilitated. Good feeling. Yeah. And I'm just like like in my barracks room and uh i was with armenta sharing room with eddie armenta and 
I remember we were both sleeping and I woke up after hitting the floor. I was like, what the fuck? And he's just like, what the fuck is going on with you? I'm like, you know, it was just, it was really awkward just like waking up screaming on the floor and him just like looking at me all weird. I just remember it was uh, a dream I had where me and my girlfriend at the time had gotten out of our vehicle at a gas station and I was just, we were just like walking. And as soon as like we got close to the doors for me to like open up the handle, it just got like bombarded with rockets and I just remember getting blasted away in like a giant like fire plume, and it was spooky. And you woke up right it. after that. Yeah, that was when I woke up screaming on the floor. Yeah, that's uh, important <laughs> to know that on that deployment to Iraq, we got a lot of rockets shot at us, mostly indirect fire or IDF, uh, loosely aimed artillery, and uh, those have also appeared in my dreams. Um, and it's funny because for me, and very similarly to what you just described, mm-hmm. I'll be having a perfectly normal dream. Well, not a normal dream, a bizarre dream that has nothing to do with my military past. And then all of a sudden I hear. And just like a comical amount of rockets will come out of the sky. <laughs> and it sounds like that. It sounds just like it sounds. in the movie. Ah. Yeah. Um, and it'll just interrupt a normal dream. And that's that's a fun thing. So it keeps you on your toes like you're never prepared for it. It just can come out of anywhere in Absolutely. your dream world, which probably reflects how you feel about it in your waking life that or are you able to like tamp that feeling down i don't know i think when i'm like lucid i'm pretty indifferent about it i've been riddled with apathy and i don't know if that's a side effect or not but here we are could be (laughs) there's a lot of conjecture about what dreams are what they mean what do you feel that they mean to you like how do you interpret your own dreams um to me i just view I guess it's it's you know like one of those subjects that you're gonna get a different answer based on who you talk to. And, yeah. You know, so what would you say? Several different studies. No one's really come to any solid conclusion. You know. But I'd say if you'd ask me, now I ain't no sleep doctor, but I'd just say like it's just kind of like me processing my own subconscious in like a way, like trying to like just like uh, I don't know, just trying to go through everything and sort it all out and put it in short-term, long-term memory, all that jazz. My synapses do weird stuff and, you know, neurotransmitters, and here I am. Do you feel like you ever wake up with more clarity than you went to sleep? Like, you, do you feel like you've solved something in your mind when you wake up? I mean, not, not anything practical. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've never, I've never just, like, had, like, a like a life-changing revelation but i've had like funny ideas about i don't know yeah tell us a funny Yu-Gi-Oh idea decks. tell us about that yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh deck. <laughs> i don't know i've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh a lot lately and i love that yeah i love that for you yeah i fucking hate it, it <laughs> it's like one of those hobbies that i don't know it's like i enjoy doing it but at the same time i get really frustrated but you'll dream about Yu-Gi-Oh decks I won't necessarily dream about Yu-Gi-Oh decks, but I will be like, uh, you know, like uh, I've been playing this deck where unless I draw very specific cards, um, it's just like a real combo heavy starting off. So to get where I need to be, I need to lay down this card and then that card lets me activate this yeah. card. Activate the blue eyes, white yeah, dragon. Avalanche of, of tomfoolery or <laughs> like my first turn just takes way too long. Cause one, I'm still trying to learn the deck and two, because it's just, an obnoxious deck but like if it gets disrupted at all i just kind of have to like end my turn and then just get face fucked and you'll have anxiety dreams about and i'll be like that what, game what can i do and i'll be like oh, i had three copies of this card i like, have anxiety dreams about magic the Gathering. no yeah. you do oh yeah and you just started playing magic the gathering not that long well, ago and they're the funny thing is they're not about like they're not about playing the game they are about things happening to my cards. <laughs> oh, the, the monetary investment yeah, of those they cards. they seem to represent, and it's happened a few times, they seem to represent like an investment in something I care about. So like I had a dream where, I mean, aside from everything, um, my house was blown up. My childhood home was blown up. But I got back and the one thing that I was worried about, my family wasn't in it. And we found the wreckage and I found my magic cards and they had been like incinerated. And I was just, devastated i woke up pretty bummed out my car my valuable valuable cards. cards it's just like 
you used to have a dream where it's just like a masked man pulling out like the 50 black lotuses you own and just slowly <laughs> ripping them in half one by one. Yeah, I wish I had 50 black lotuses. A very expensive magic card. Yeah. I don't know, the secondhand market on cards is fucked and I hate everybody who participates in it. But anyways, um, yeah, honestly, I never really woke up from a dream with aha moments. I mean, maybe I have, but I don't know. I always feel like, I always feel incredibly lucid really when i wake up oh. and then like it just starts getting more and more fleeting that's yeah, totally normal yeah i'm just like sitting there desperately trying to remember do you ever write it down when it. you wake up i've or? attempted to but it's a it, solid practice it's one of the i like had like a i think i had placed a dream journal on my nightstand once and maybe uh wrote down one dream <laughs> <laughs> and then i had like a whole string of nights where I didn't even remember having a dream. And then it eventually just ended up, I eventually just ended up like, why is this here? And then I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Dream journal. I had that intention. I said a while ago that I didn't follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. But yeah. Um, you've said enough. That's fine. You mean it? Yeah. Well, I'm not for the full interview, but for that question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, dreams. Good or bad, take it or leave it. If you could not dream at all or dream every night, which one would you pick? I would prefer to dream every night because I usually only retain nightmares. Like, unless it's like a real good dream, like a wet one, I usually don't remember it. So, like, when I have nightmares, it's just like, I mean, honestly, it's just like I don't even know how that's affecting me while I'm sleeping. But I wake up and I'm like, wow, that was wild. Do you, so you have nightmares more often than you have good dreams or you remember your nightmares more often than you have? I think I remember my nightmares more. I haven't had like a, like a genuine nightmare in a, in a while, but I do usually retain those. I also, like here recently, I've had a few dreams where it was kind of half and half, but I felt like the more, like, you know, the more annoyed I got, or the more frustrated I got, the more close I got to becoming a lucid dream. I, I remember that being really exciting. But then I remember, like, by the time it, I'm actually able to influence anything, I usually just wake up. I don't yeah. even know if, like, that's a legitimate thing or not. But Yeah, it, it is. Well, I mean, like, if that's just how I'm recollecting it. Oh, or, gotcha. You're remembering the perception of lucidity rather than actually becoming lucid. In the exactly, dream. yeah. But I do remember, like... I don't know. There was this one dream I had where I was with my coworker and we were all on like a party bus. And it was just like me, him, and like some of our other coworkers, like Wayne, this old guy, this like 70 year old Navy vet who I work with. And I remember we, us getting pulled over and him having like a bunch of pills and like this thing of yarn. And, pills and yarn, yeah. And he's just like, get rid of it. Cure <laughs> to the yarn too. Yeah. So then, like, I remember sliding out of the bus. All the cops are on the opposite side, and just looking around and just seeing like this big outdoor like tent thing, you know, circus, like a no, church revival. It's just like a just one of those things, like they put a up wedding for tent shade. Thing. Gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah. pop up tent for like a pop up tent for like you know uh, like Festivals. a farmers market yeah, or something. Yeah. And it's yes. just a a bunch of people processing yarn in these giant steel bins and me just be like oh thank god just throwing the yarn the ball of the pill ball yarn in there and then like the cops leaving and like him just be like, where where are they and like me turning <laughs> around and the bins are empty and everyone's gone and mm-hmm. him just getting really upset with me and then me turning and being just like oh i wish that didn't happen and i it, then i remember like looking back and everyone being there again and me finding the the yarn and i'm like did I make that happen? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a uh, <clears throat> a dark question for you, mm-hmm. um, but one I feel most qualified to ask you and you to respond to. Um, we have, as veterans, especially from our unit, many friends who have passed. As a veteran. Yes. As an American veteran. <laughs> um, do you, because this is something that happens to me, mm-hmm. do you ever have dreams where your friends who have passed show up? I believe so, yeah. I've had several. Um I think uh, the most recent one was uh, um, Kimmel, I believe, who is this one dude I went to boot camp in SOI with, heard recently passed. 
You're just like tall, lanky, goofy dude. Half the Marine Corps is tall, lanky, goofy guys. Yeah. It's not all John Cena. <laughs> um, I just remember like having a dream of us being back in SOI and interacting. SOI is the School of Infantry. The School of Infantry. I also remember having dreams of like Clevenger and us like just drinking together in the barracks. There's a good dude. Yeah. I remember like uh, at one point we were just like both wearing bathrobes and just like making fun of Davis. Is that a real thing that happened or is that a dream thing? Both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're dreaming a memory. Yeah. It was interesting. I miss some dog. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Clevenger was a cool guy. Mm-hmm. He was one of our corpsmen. He was one of the Navy assigned medics that took care of us, which are like basically our babysitters. It's, it's very important. Mm-hmm. I remember like at his fu- like at, like after his funeral when we were all drinking, Minna pulled me to the side and was talking about how um, he's like... Look here, man. Statistically, there's no way we're all dying off this quick. He's like, I think this is a government psyop, <laughs> and like uh, you could see the sincerity in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Mother of God, it's it's the chemicals, man. It's the Agent Orange, man. <laughs> I'm like, should I turn my phone off? <laughs> like, it's just a lack of mental health care at the end of the day. <laughs> oh yeah, and extreme think, exposure to traumatic experiences. I mean, yeah. I mean, they kind of just like are like, hey, if you're sad, here's some resources. And now we're going to spend the rest of this time teaching you how to make a resume. Yes, this is a reference to as we're getting out the two weeks that you get leaving the military uh, as outward training, regardless of how long you've been in or what you've seen. Yeah, it's mostly job training. This is going to slowly turn into us talking about uh, the mishandling of the suicide crisis in veterans. Yeah, I'm very quiet because I don't feel qualified to speak to this. I mean, anyone that's dealt with mental health is qualified to to speak about it. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think mental health is taken seriously enough, especially like. In situations like that. Well, and you're taught to repress those things for four years or however long you're in. You're actually, I, I feel like you're taught more like embrace it. Em- embrace which parts of it, though? Oh, just not like, the Not the loving, vulnerable No, just parts. like, yeah. Just like the, like, carnal baseness of, like, warfare and violence. Yes, that's a really nice sentence and a really good way to put that. Yeah, I remember, like, oh God, I remember, like, one time in SOI, someone just, like, asking someone why they joined... Or like it was one of our instructors asking a dude why I joined, and he he's like, oh, I don't know, it just felt like I don't know, like it's something I should do. And he's like, he didn't join to kill people, and the kid was like, didn't respond quick enough. He's uh-huh. like, you, you fucking pussy. Oh he's like, you God. joined to kill people, right? And he just pestered him until he's like, yeah, I joined to kill people. He's like, yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Yeah, in boot camp, oh, uh, fun fun little <laughs> trivia, fun little conditioning bit. When you agree with something, you yell kill. That's that's the word you yell to agree like, to things. Not word or like. Nope. Yo. Yeah. You say kill. That, it, it was yeah. like kill. Uh, you know, like a group affirmation. Yeah. We would just yell kill instead of saying you're valid. You just say kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now or we yell you're valid at each yeah. other. Yeah. You're <laughs> valid. It's just a, a louder, more violent finger snap. I believe. Yep. Oh, man, yeah. I wish people would would have said you're valid. That would have been a much you're better. Valid. Hey man. Hey marine. You're valid. Oh. Think how quickly that would trigger you now though. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it sets me off. To hear your the dreams I had in boot camp were pretty wild. Let's hear about that. Boot camp, a yeah. What was boot camp like what for was someone bo- who's never boot camp been? like, or what was boot camp like dream wise? Both. Both. Uh, well, I mean, set the scene for yeah. like where you were, where so you were. Dreaming essentially, these. you're just like at at that time I was like 18. I've never really been like away from family for extended periods of time, and you know you can. That's the same for most people there, and where you're pretty much just like corralled, put through a line. And, like, give it a bunch of supplies. And then you, you just, like, stand in formation in, like, a room waiting for someone to show up and tell you what else to do. Scream at you. Yeah. And there's a lot of screaming. Everything's screaming. It's and, meant to disorient you yeah. and make it so you are more easily institutionalized. Everyone's screaming. You're, you, like, you run everywhere. Like, everyone, if they're, like, hey, go grab that. And you don't, even if it's, like, three feet away, if you don't look like you're running, they're going to, like, make you do it. Again, but this time with feeling, you know. When we, I've got a grimace on my face in yeah. response to that. That sounds horrible. When we launch this video, I will uh, send you a link that we can attach that shows my entry into boot camp, actually. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's really just, it's They YouTube did? Like, I imagine you weren't allowed to YouTube No, it. we don't. You don't have phones. It, it's propaganda, yeah. um, but I just happen to be in it. And I mean, like, I don't know. I'm sure, like, things have changed since we went to boot camp. Not to sound like an old fuck, but. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely yeah. softer in a good way. We would in a back bad then. Way. Back then, in we would have said way. softer. But what we meant is, 
more healthily and well handled in in a way that's going to cause people to live longer. I feel less like it's softer, but in a more detrimental way. In that we are not adequately preparing someone for the horrors of war. Right. I feel like that there's definitely like some things that they could do better to like, you know, make it less, you know, like Charles Manson. Yes. But at the same time, I feel like more of it needs to be done on the back end. Cause like, at that yeah, point, it's more on the back end yeah. than the front end because yeah. the, the argument I've always made is like no logical, mentally healthy human being is ready to go to war and shoot at someone else. Mm-hmm. with the intention of killing them and there is a preparation that needs to be made and but it's the de-escalation once we're done that needs mm-hmm. to be improved upon but, i mean it was weird too because i remember like like at, the, at one point you get stockholm syndrome for your drill instructors and you're just like i love these men yep mm-hmm. they're amazing superheroes and that's by design isn't it yeah and then like i get to soi and i just have like some fallujah vet with like a big dip in his lip smoking a cigarette and drinking a monster at the same time <laughs> being like drill instructors huh? and then starts calling drill instructors homophobic slurs and telling them that why would you call a staff sergeant a sir that doesn't make any goddamn sense it, it doesn't fuck, fuck drill instructors yeah drill instructors in boot camp they send the most like aesthetically pleasing movie marines like captain america's yeah like yeah. captain captain america's that can yell until they rip their own vocal cords and then you go to infantry school and it's like actual professionals that do their job and then you like actually get to your unit and see like their ribbons and realize that all your drill instructors are boots yeah uh ribbons an indication of experience and achievement in the military and generally a way to judge someone upon seeing their uniform mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. boots a term for junior marine sorry i'm using a lot of verbal nomenclature it's okay that's here. what i'm here Thanks for. for explaining i yeah. didn't yeah. know what yeah. to ask so what kind of dreams did this uh situation inspire for you oh yeah okay well first off i've recently i'll get to the other aspects of that but the worst dream the worst fucking still to this day probably the worst dream i've ever fucking had my entire life glad we dug for this yeah was in boot camp i remember it was like i think at the the pinnacle of my i'm gonna fucking lose my goddamn mind you know in boot camp and you know in retrospect all it is is just like you like it's all just like a giant fuck fuck game where like it's just like them fucking with you in between like you know in between curriculums you know so like you know you're in the middle of a class you go to take a piss break hopefully you don't get randomly picked to go do a bunch of like jumping jacks and sit-ups in a sand pit instead of being able to piss because that happens yeah they also make you talk in third person this whole time yeah, this marine. Yeah, Ugh. this marine would like to make a head call. It is pretty culty. The more we it's talk about so it, it's so culty. Anyway. I've been well aware of this for a long yeah. time now. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, so wait, this isn't the nightmare. This is real life that you're describing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are you going to describe the nightmare? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, it's called dream schemers. Not yeah. feel bad for Dylan. I'm trying to hour. set the scene. It is set. I thought we were right. talking anyway. about the worst nightmare of your no, life. Yeah. I'm just it was easily distracted with my own thoughts, and I apologize. None That's, of you deserve I mean, you've this. You've taken us on a journey. Yeah. Anyway, so I remember getting sent on a working party in this dream. Working party is just oh, working party. Yeah, getting not, it's not as fun as it sounds. Getting yeah. picked to go do some menial task, and it sometimes in boot camp it's hit or miss because it's just like if you're not if you're the person not on the working party, you may just end up you know getting like messed with in the sand pit again which is just like like i don't know good did chore. you go to pendleton pendleton i was in paris island and i don't know how it was in pendleton you guys had sand fleas right yeah we didn't have sand Ugh. fleas they had like just random like sand pits like we had sand pits but no yeah. fleas just a random sand pit set up throughout the entire base where like if a drill instructor decided that he just wanted to make people do a bunch of like calisthenic exercises hazing is the word that dylan's looking for (laughs) (laughs) he could at a moment's notice but uh so you might end up there and i was on the working party and i remember we were just like in some weird sketchy ass place in paris island you know like those like weird areas of military bases where it's just like storage like liminal spaces yeah yes yeah i'm the baddest bitch in this liminal space stuff like that stuff like that yeah so then and we're just like I think it was just me getting stuff ready for, like, the rifle range. Like, you know, targetry and stuff. I just remember, like, my family, skirt, skirt, pulls up in, like, the family van. And they're just like, 
hey Dylan, we're gonna go get steaks. Do you want to come? And I'm just like, like nervously looking around, and, and you know the guy's just like, go ahead, it's fine. It's gotta <laughs> so be a then, trick, like, right? Like I, I get in, and I remember just like being at a steakhouse. Like eating like the nicest steak with of my your life. family, with my family, and the drill instructor should be like, like, and I look over and my drill instructor's just like, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> Everyone needs some decompression time. Aww. and I'm just like, oh, oh that's I, under- I see where this that's is going. That's unusually understanding of him. Yeah, and, oh, then, <laughs> and then, and then like I remember like my mom's just like, oh yeah, here she, she hands me like two cartons of cigarettes, and I'm just like. Oh my god! And like I'm just like it just got like a, a big meaty steak with like a pile of French fries, and I'm like drinking cokes and shit. And then I wake up to lights, lights, lights. Just back to reality. That had to be soul crushing. Oh, I, I had to like I had to disassociate immediately to not blow my brains out. Yeah, right there that'd be there. rough, man. They yeah. immediately start the morning by screaming lights, 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 lights. <laughs> it's the first thing you hear every morning. And then it's usually them just like like running around screeching in people's faces to get to get ready you have to tie your so shoes that in was the seconds. worst dream you've ever had it was like a very nice dream but in the worst time for yeah you, it like, was it was you had to like return to the soul crushing realization that that was not reality that's so oh bad gosh. man i never really recovered from so one it. of the fun things about being in pendleton was uh at night when you're on watch you could see the airport and you could see the planes leaving and you just think about like airplanes, the night sky, the yeah, shooting sky. That song. I don't As know if that was out when I was in boot Single camp. tear rolls down. I remember being really excited about um, uh, the Carter Four oh, being yeah. released right around the time I was graduating boot camp. Yep. Is that a plane? The Carter Four is it's a, a little Wayne lyric album. song, oh. and that was. <laughs> Adorable. They, leave that in. Don't. <laughs> whatever you do, don't cut is that. Is the Carter Ford plane? Is the Carter plane? Ford plane? <laughs> We're getting shirts with that on it. <laughs> is the um, here's another specific one that I want to know if you ever. Do you ever have losing your rifle dreams or losing gear oh, dreams? I, yeah. Still. I, still. Oh my god. Like there's times where like I don't know like why because I feel like it's been so long since it's mattered. Since it's mattered, and I'll just like you know because like. I have, like, uh, a rifle. I have, like, several guns. The government might listen to this, so don't and the uh, specifics. I am n- mentally unstable, and <laughs> I uh, am going to start, like, a commune, but instead of, like, a farm, it's just guns. Okay, good. We've got yeah. lots of those already, so you got to, like, find a niche. Yeah. Yeah. We're fun know. shirts or I something. I feel like, I don't know, maybe the whole Waco thing is a bit cliche at this point. Definitely. Yeah. Shave your beard. How banal of me. Yeah, like, I'll just, I'll just be like, I'll just think about, like, one of my guns, and immediately be like, I'll start, like, <laughs> like, desperately thinking about, did I leave it in a porta potty somewhere? Oh, my God. I'm Important bummed. information here. One of the worst things you could do in, in past boot camp all the way until you left the military was lose any piece of gear, specifically your rifle, and if you did... Just such a such a bad time. Yeah, you've ensued. told me about the dreams you've had before of losing your rifle and having to like steal some other poor guys. Yeah, to, I had like, dreams about stealing, out of stealing other oh people's God. rifle to get out of it. One of the most annoying things was like me. I was I was like a Humvee driver at some point when I was with the fleet anti-terrorism security teams. Yes, and I remember like we were on some filled up. I remember we were like we were like driving to like a CQB house, close What's quarters that? combat oh. battle battle which you looked weird you look like you had new cqc is from fucking metal gear solid (laughs) what a fucking great intellectual Uh property yeah konami quit fucking it anyways (laughs) um and i just remember like we had like a quick little like you know like uh like circle up meeting like hey everyone come here for a second and i remember i was just like fumbling with my shit so i just like set my kevlar down with my nvgs kevlar is a helmet nvgs are night vision goggles inside the helmet because i you know i don't you know i don't know so then like i go and like i walk five feet i'm listening to our platoon commander talk and then like after he's finished talking to for about 10 minutes i turn back around my nvgs are fucking gone (gasps) and then like one of the squad leaders sergeant so-and-so was just like fucking like had just like saw like some NVGs like I snatched them to make a point. They do that. And then like oh god. 
And what then, happened? What oh, my squad leader got his ass chewed, and then my squad leader turned around and threatened to take me to the tree line and beat the shit out of me. Did they tie it to you? Yeah. Yeah. At they that, tie stuff to you if you leave it behind. Yeah, at that cool. point, it was like cool. a constant cool. belt loop accessory I had. And it weighs a few pounds. It's not a fun belt loop accessory. Yeah. I usually just like would try and like you, you try and like made the 550 cord long enough to where it just fits in your cargo pocket. But then 550 you have, cord, paracord, we use it for everything. But then you have like, you know, like the 550 cord just like they're getting snagged on everything. It's it's like a lot of give and take when it comes to figuring out what works. It's a bad feeling. I'm really glad I never joined the army. Yeah. And then like <laughs> I'm all glad you did. It would have been even worse if you joined the Marines. Yeah, and then everyone shamed My you for it. My great aunt was a Marine. Nice. Was she an officer? I don't know. Was okay. she cool? She was cool as shit. Nice. Oh, yeah. My aunt, my great aunt was a Marine because her parents, she was like, we're going to go join the Air Force Base in California from North Dakota. We're going to go to California. And her parents said, absolutely not. You're not going to California. And so she's like, well, I'll be a Marine then. Oof. Probably ended up in California. I don't know where she ended up. That's where we both ended up. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have, speaking of, and this probably will be... Do you ever have dreams about being in the desert, a place we spent a lot of time training and deployed? Yes. They're mostly pleasant, though. I, I have mean, pleasant desert I dreams. I feel like, I feel like, um, I have, like, my dreams are, like, music video deserts instead of, like, real life ones. Yeah, you got you a know? billowing shirt behind you. Yeah, I'm, like, doing a bunch of hood rat shit with a bunch of, like, Saudi Arabian princes and oh. beat up Toyotas. The MIA, the Mia like music that, video yeah. where they're surfing on yeah, cars. good. Uh, I don't know. Bad girls do it. Yeah, something, bad something. girls. Good bad Live girls do it something. Fast die yeah. young. Bad girls do it well. I love that. I like the bass drop immediately after the the AK noises that they make. Desert dreams. Yeah. M A I. M I. Yeah, that's essentially desert. how it goes. It's one of the few military, other than seeing my dead friends. Yeah. It's one of the few military dreams that I have that is pleasant. I feel it's a place of confidence when I'm mm. in the desert. Like I, yeah. I can live good in desert. Time. I've had several wonderful memories of being in the desert, and I feel like as long as I have a box of MREs and like oh, like a large supply of water, some cami netting, I would and some cami netting, I will genuinely just thrive. Yep. Yeah, I would start a gang of coyotes and we would tap into the collective unconscious in our dreams and rise up. I love like that Dune. You, like Dune. Like yeah. Herbert's Dune. Yeah. yeah. We would coyotes and Spice. Dap up the clockwork elves from the other dimension and Well, that was a be on our deep way. internet Is acid tripping. No, that? it's a uh, it's a hallucinogen reference because a lot of people reference these same specific clockwork elves that live between the dimensions oh that they oh. see um, when they do acid tripping. I think it was fucking when Alex, one of like the first times that Alex Jones was on the Joe Rogan podcast, Ugh. he went on like a twenty-minute rant about Clockwork Elves and the fourth dimension and how they're like they're around us at all times. And I'm just imagining like Keebler elves with like it, night vision goggles. They're pretty weird looking. Yeah. You should give it a goog. I, I don't, and then he starts talking about the collective unconscious. Anytime I mentioned we mentioned the someone mentions the collective unconscious, I. You think I of have a like, sweaty, angry man? I like start sweating with existentialism. All right, this seems like a good note to end it on. You think so? Yeah. Thanks for being here. It means a lot. I had a good time, and I hope I was entertaining enough. Certainly. Yeah. Thanks you for sharing so? your. Yeah, you're definitely sharing your dreams. One of the so. top four most entertaining people we've interviewed so far. Hello, Emma. Do you want to go on a field trip with me into the Dream Museum? Boy, do I. Can I ditch the rest of the class and just come with you? What? What's the rest of the class? No, the rest of our class are our listeners. They're coming too, whether oh. they like it or not. Shit. Okay, let's go. <laughs> this is part of the Dreams Throughout History wing of the museum. I like that place. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So today we're looking at the exhibit on Charles Dickens. Are you familiar with his work? Yes, I am. He did the uh, the Carol about Christmas. Uh huh. Um, Oliver Twist. Yeah, those are the two most. Imp- those are the two ones we're going to be Good. focusing. Can on Can I have today. some more and uh, giving turkey to poor kids? Yeah, he had a lot of things to say about the treatment of the poor in society during his time. Which they weren't was... hard on him enough, right? No, he very much identified with the plight of poor and disenfranchised. Yeah, were they disenfranchised. Disenfranchised. Yeah. I think yeah. They were. 
So Charles Dickens wrote The Christmas Carol and Oliver Twist, both which very heavily rely on dreams to tell a story. I'm familiar with Christmas Carol more as the movie. I don't think I ever read it. And I certainly never read Oliver Twist. Have you seen The Christmas Carol on stage? Uh, I don't think so. You should check out the Actors Theater of Louisville version of it. It's a charming production. I bet it's really good. And Oliver Twist, I only know, please, sir, can I have some more? Mm-hmm. But when I was looking up Charles Dickens, I found out that it is very much about dreams. I didn't know that. I, I didn't either. Yeah, I definitely watched it at school at some point, and I watched the Wishbone version of it, which glossed over most of the details because it's a 15-minute kids show. Yeah, but it's a great one. You know the one where the little dog dresses I, up? I fucking know Wishbone, man. Okay, yeah. good. Well, our younger listeners will not know what I'm talking Google about. Google it. It's most a lot of it's on YouTube. A for dog free. reenacts important literature. They do one about Faust. They do one. I they, loved the Faust. Yeah, one. the Faust one's dark for a Wishbone. Um, yeah. So anyway. Not about Wishbone. We're talking about Charles Dickens. So Charles Dickens, his personal life, he had insomnia. And I think he wrote down that he had a lot of sleep and dream disorders that were um, were not known to medicine or science at the time. But like by looking back with what we know now, we can say, oh, yeah, I think he had restless leg syndrome and sleep paralysis and night terrors, insomnia. Um, He describes hypnagogia a lot. Hypnagogia. Yeah. Hypnagogia is, you've probably experienced it even though you didn't know what it was called. It's when you're laying in bed and at the moment you're about to fall asleep, you suddenly feel like you're falling. Ah, yep. I've had that. It's like a weird sensation that you have in the very brief moment between conscious wake and conscious sleep. Good to know I'm not the only one. Yeah. So that's called a hypnagogic hallucination. You can also have visuals. With that, like where you don't realize you've fallen asleep and see something happening, but you're dreaming. That's described in Oliver Twist. He's sitting at a fire in a chair, and in his waking life, he's been chased around by these two thugs, Fagin and... Um, who's the other guy? Mike. <laughs> Do they work for the Artful Dodger? Yeah. I don't think his name is The Artful Mike. Dodger was the screen name I used when I would uh, play around on the school servers, servers and download Quake for me and all my friends. Okay, well, Fagin and his cronies are chasing him. And so at that moment when he's falling asleep by the fire, he sees them in the room with him coming at him and he's startled. There's other moments of like dream confusion where the characters don't know whether they're asleep or awake. And it's even confusing, intentionally confusing for the reader to know whether... Oliver Twist is awake or asleep. Hmm. And these are obviously inspired by Charles Dickens' miserable sleep life. <laughs> right. They're inspired by his sleep life. He thought a lot about sleeping. Um, with his insomnia, he used to wake up in the night and go and walk around town just in the nighttime, like observing people. And that's where he drew a lot of inspiration for his characters and the messages in his books. Huh. Definitely will influence how I experience the Dickensian things that I read or watch moving forward. Um, He had a lot of weird ideas about sleep. Like he even slept in his bed with a compass so that he was sure he was pointing north because he felt like that made him more creative. I think cows do that, right? Cows sleep facing north? Cows sleep facing something. I'll have our internet guy look it up while we're talking. Hey, Mike. Mike, Go look up where the cows face. Mike, you stupid idiot. Go check it out for us. (laughs) We don't pay Mike. You don't pay Mike. Mike, in fact, does not exist. Don't tell him that. He's still doing work for us. I'm sorry, guys. Cows tend to face either magnetic north or south when grazing or resting. They align in a north-south direction. I had no idea. Well, and Charles Dickens does too. Charles Dickens was a cow. Bam. Okay, so maybe there's something to that. Want to be creative? Sleep facing north. Yeah, I'm going to move my bed when I get home. In his waking life, he thought a lot about dreams. He was part of the romantic movement, which one of their ideals was valuing dreams as a part of the creative process. Like a lot of authors in his time, his contemporaries would write about dreams and talk about their own dreams. So it was kind of in the consciousness, like what we talk about, the more you talk about dreams and thinking about it in your waking life, the more vivid and meaningful your dreams could become. Yeah, so if you want to have more vivid dreams, just start a dream podcast. 
It's and you'll talk about it all the time and you'll have really vivid, weird dreams. Everyone will tell you about their dreams. Yeah. People will it. approach you on the street. Going back real quick to um, Oliver Twist's unusual writing style where the, even the reader doesn't know. Um, it's written in Oliver Twist that, let's see, here's a quote from Oliver himself explaining the nature of his reality. Reality and the imagination become so strangely blended that it is afterward almost a matter of impossibility to separate the two. That's from page 259. I was going to say, that's definitely from page 259. I had no idea. They always talk about it being like a message about the poor and like how they should be treated and better supported by society. Nobody mentions the dreaming part of Oliver Twist. What's the more subtle part? I guess so. So is the some more he's asking for some more dreams? Can I have some more reality? (laughs) (laughs) Can I have some more lucid dreams, sir? Okay, so Christmas Carol, which I'm more familiar with, the entire plot of the book is Ebenezer Scrooge being a miserly old man who makes his employee work during Christmas because he only cares about money. But he has a dream that makes him change his entire his outlook on life by showing him Christmases of the past and the present and the future. Yeah, he has three dreams. He has three dreams and he's visited by apparitions that lead him through these dreams. And sometimes he doesn't know that it's real or not and he's like, oh, there's a ghost in my in my house rattling chains. Good old Jacob Marley. Yeah, Jacob Marley, his old co- Bookkeeper, underling, underling yeah, accountant. He's visited by these spirits that tell him to change his ways, and he wakes up from his dream. He gets out of bed and says, you boy, what day is it? It's one of my favorite quotes, and I say that whenever I wake up. Yeah, and your husband's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's Tuesday. You there, boy. We also mention uh, whenever I wake up and I feel like I've slept really deeply, I say I Rip Van Winkled myself. <laughs> that is fun and kind of sounds gross. It does, but... But in a fun way. Meaning I slept for 100 years. Yeah, and you were tied up by little people? No, no that's... No, that's Gulliver's Travels. Oh. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle, like, those, slept those under a tree turned for 100 into an old years. man. <laughs> they, they, for some reason, they are shelved in a similar place in my brain. Two men laying down. That is the similarity. Gulliver falls asleep, though. That's how he gets tied up, right? That's his... his... He's, like, shipwrecked. Yeah. And the, the Lilliputians get him? Yep. Maybe also a story inspired by a dream. Probably. That sounds dreamy. Yeah. We'll have to look that up. Is that Robert Louis Stevenson? I don't know. Mike? (laughs) Mike's going to go check it out right now. Mike's an expert on every little thing we want to ask him. Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift. Weird. I thought Jonathan Swift was the main character, but that's Gulliver. Yeah, it's about his travels. (laughs) All right. And... That is an incomplete story of what Charles Dickens had to do with sleep, but I got all this from an article that a scholar wrote who was obsessed with, well, okay, obsessed in like an academic way. Passionate about? Was passionate about this. And I think there's a whole field of literary researchers who research Charles Dickens' dreams. Yeah. And his their that's effect on dope. his work. Well, that's what you get when you come to the Dream Museum. You you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, and you stop at the gift shop on the way out. This one's kind of under construction, but you you got what was there. Mind our dust. Pardon our dust? Pardon Pardon our our dust. dust. Mind our dust. Mind our dust, nerds. (laughs) All right, and that was the Dream Museum for today. Get out before the the mannequins start coming to life. Indiana Jones has the next time slot, so we got to get out so he can investigate the tombs. Yes, because... They belong in a museum. They belong in a museum. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Please get in touch with us at dreamschemerspodcast at gmail.com. Check out our show notes for links to more info about our topics today. Give us a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at anchor.fm slash dreamschemers. You'll hear more from us in two weeks, and we'll see you in In your your dreams. dreams. Either way, you come off like you're not illiterate. Yes, I That's like important. to say proclivity. I used that one the other Ooh. day in conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard you use that before. Yeah.
Um, sometimes I, I'm proclive to use proclivity. As a, <laughs> anytime I hear the word proclivity, I assume it's like sexual proclivities, like an 18th century novel describing how a man kills prostitutes, oh, like yeah. eats their ears, like nibbles. <laughs> yeah, that's a proclivity. Like I, like I imagine anytime they say proclivity, it's them wagging their fingers like this while yeah. they say it. Pro- proclivity. He's dangling his fingers together in the air like he's doing a magic trick <laughs> right. for the viewers. Like, no. Snatching orphans. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. Like a Pied Piper. Yeah. I mean, I guess back then there wasn't a lot of legislation on what you could do to uh, do with orphans. You could just kind of like walk in there and snatch them, right? You got some orphans well, hanging I mean, out? They weren't really snatching. They were giving them away. It's like two for a dozen or something. Like, you, you need like a factory a worker? Here you go. I mean, I guess that was like, I don't know, practical. Practical.